Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. In today's Father's Day message, we celebrate the fathers and the men of God also that God has placed in our lives to love us and to lead us. But we must also understand that this day can be very special to some and very hurtful to others. Some will spend the day with their fathers and others will only have their memories. But many will have a loving father while others maybe not so much. We must remember on these days that we do not worship our fathers. Just like I said on Mother's Day, we don't worship our mothers. I don't believe our mothers and fathers would even want us to do that. We are here to worship the God that gave them to us. You know, and we love them, but we worship God, our Heavenly Father. In today's message, we're going to see God's love as a father illustrated in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. So whether you are wandering today or whether you're right by God's side, Jesus has a word for you today. So before we jump into this parable, I'd like to frame it up with a, a few thoughts I read from a a Bible reading plan by Louis Giglio, and it's called Not Forsaken. So if you have the Bible app and you want to check it out for yourself, uh, you can do that. I highly encourage that. And he does a lot of good work, a lot of great Bible studies on that. And if you have our, if you have the Bible app and you have the sermon pulled up, a link to that reading plan is there. I mean, just whatever we can do to get people into God's Word. But But in this, on day two, he talks about the fact, he says, What do you think about when you think about God? What do you think about when you think about God? He said the theologian A.W. Tozer famously said that our answer to this question is the most important thing about us. So what do you think about when you think about God? There's a, a few kind of camps we can put that in. Some, when they think about God, will think of God as an absent, non caring father. Some of us think that God is there, but really is not involved in our lives. Yes, he made the earth, he wound it up, and now he just watches it spin. That's what some people think. Other people look at him as a pushover father. In other words, others think that God is basically a nice guy who wants us all to be good and to have good lives, but they're a little hard of hearing and out of touch and basically too weak to do anything substantial. In other words, God, we ought to, God is great, God is good, but, you know, He's just a crutch for people. And then there are some that look at God as an overbearing Father. And they see God as, some people think of Him as a ruthless dictator, a cosmic killjoy who exists only to tell us what we can't do, only to exist to see people pushed under His thumb. And all three of these could be farther from the truth. You see, many see God as one of those types, but they are wrong. Because if you see God as this type of heavenly father, you are wrong. That is not what God is. God is not a pushover. God is not a dictator. God is not absent or absent-minded. You see, God's not some old grandfather figure that just wants you to crawl up into his lap and share a worthless candy with him. He is not just that. He is also not some far-fetched science fiction type of, of cosmic nebulous that you just kind of can't experience. God is your heavenly Father. And God is my heavenly Father. 
And so we see this that every person is born with a deep desire to be loved unconditionally. Do you want to be loved today? Absolutely. I want to be loved. I look at unconditional love when our dog, he doesn't care when we come home, just as long as we come home and we give him food. And those are the only conditions he has. Unconditional love. Love without strings. Can you say that you have that in your life? Some of us are very lucky to have people in our lives that are like that. But the truth is, no strings attached. God loves you unconditionally. I was talking with a young man the other day, and he was talking about all the things that he had done and all the things that his family had done. I said, you know, there is not one thing that you have listed that is beyond the blood of Jesus Christ. There's only one sin, and that is to deny him as our Savior and Lord. But yes, God is our Heavenly Father. He created us to need him, just as a child longs for their parents. I think it's so sweet when kids are a certain age, especially when they're young, and you're getting ready to cross the street or you're walking in a crowd, they'll just reach their hand up and you'll grab them. Oh, it just melts your heart, doesn't it? And your grandparents and your great-grandparents, oh, he's just so sweet. He puts his hand up for me and I just grab it and we just walk. Then they get to the age where they bat it down and they don't want it, they don't want your help. When these needs are not met in the right ways, they result in hurt and scars, and many carry those scars and hurts with them. And where do you hide your hurts and your scars? You see, the truth is God is our loving Heavenly Father, and the lie is that He is absent, that He is mean-spirited, or that He cannot be known. You see, the truth is God is our loving Heavenly Father. God is the Father of the fatherless. He says that in Psalms 68, 5, that whether you've had a good earthly father or not, or whether your father is here today or he has gone on into eternity, God is a father to the fatherless. That's the hardest thing I had to grasp when my mom and dad died is, is you feel like an orphan. You feel like the safety net is gone. Then I realized the Heavenly Father is my safety net. The Heavenly Father is your safety net, and He will catch you. It says in 2 Corinthians 6.18 that God is the perfect Father. Let me show you this verse. It says, And I will be your Father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. If you are a child of God, you have a Heavenly Father. You have a heavenly Father that loves you, and that is perfect. And if you are not a believer, you still have a heavenly Father that loves you, and is perfect whether you accept that or not. He's not just a bigger version. He's the perfect Father. He's the answer to every longing for a Father's acceptance, approval, support, and love that you have ever experienced. This means To each of us, that no matter how amazing our fathers were, or no matter how absent they were, or abusive they were, no matter how bad or good they were, we have the opportunity to be loved by God as his sons and daughters. And I'm telling you, in my years of youth ministry, you could tell. You could tell those families where the father was present and where they weren't. You can tell today 
with children. You can tell today with adults who didn't have that background. But that's another sermon for another time. But God is our perfect Heavenly Father. And don't take my word for it. Take Jesus' word for it as he gives us this parable. So now we look in Luke chapter 15. And in verses 11 through 14, we see that losing sight of God's love for you can cause you to value the wrong things. Losing, here we are. We have our vision of God. God wants us to be trained in on him. But the world pulls us off into a different direction. It doesn't matter what it be. It might be the pursuit of wealth, health, and happiness, whatever it may be. It may just be you want what you want, and that's how it is. Kind of like that old, was it Backstreet Boys? They want it that way? I'm not going to sing it. There's only three of you that got that reference. That's all right. Right now in your head, you're going, tell me why. I know you are. But we're not. God is not Burger King. We cannot have it our way. And when we lose sight of God's love, it can cause us to value the wrong things. Verse 11, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to the distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, and a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. Some of you growing up on a farm, you know what it meant to feed the pigs, didn't you? It was nasty. What do they say? Slop the hogs, or, or whatever they used to say? Where you had, I mean, you just take all your table scraps and everything you have, and the pigs just root around in it, and they have a good old time. It was not a great place to be. He went from being the king's son, a prince, to now slopping the hogs for a farmer. It says in verse 16 that the man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Folks, when you look at the wrong things, even pig slop looks good to you. Because you have lost the vision of what God has for your life. Quit settling for pig slop. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants had enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. And I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as your servant. So in his mind, at least I could go back. I don't have to have the same rights because I really messed it up big time when I left. So maybe he'll just let me be one of the hired hands. Here's the problem with the prodigal son. When he asked for that money, because of society, even now, but even more so then, if a son were to ask for his inheritance beforehand, it was seen as a social mistake. It was not a popular thing to do back then. And so what we see is the prodigal son wanted his father's benefits, the house, the chariots, the servants, the refrigerator full of food, the meals, wanted all of these things for himself. He wanted the benefits of the father, but he didn't want any of the commitment. He wanted the benefits of being the son, but he didn't want to commit to being the son. 
Kind of like that kid that grows up and you say, okay, I'm going to give you an allowance. And they're like, okay, give it here. You know, you don't understand, kid. It's an allowance. You do work and then I pay you. Huh? Clean your room. Cut the grass. Whatever it may be. And if you want to do these things, then I'll pay you for it. That's the way it used to be. Now it's here's $20, be quiet and go on. That's a disservice. Because you're giving them the relationship without any commitment. Folks, if you don't have a pound of flesh into any cause that you're a part of, you won't care about it. Don't be like the prodigal. There is a huge blessing in contentment. It's a lot better to want what you have than to have what you want. There's a big difference. The prodigal had everything, but his vision had skewed. Because I'm here to tell you, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Where there is greener grass, there is always manure. Think about that. But it's the truth. We say, oh boy, look at this over there. Man, I want to hand me some of that. Didn't you get that grass? Did you see somebody else's grass? There's always a process. And how easy do you find it to be to love someone? Some of you know that pain. Some of you know what the Heavenly Father is going through. Some of you know what the parable father is going through. Isn't it funny? No, not funny. It's just true. Life has a way of reminding you and I of our need for God. Life has a way of reminding us that we need our Heavenly Father. You see in verse 14 how it said, His money ran out, and a great famine swept over the land and began to starve. Any of y'all growing up ever have older brothers or sisters that made you cry, Uncle? You know, they get your arm behind your back and, you know, say, cry, Uncle, but, you know, so I'll stop. Just a big bully. Sometimes life tells us to cry, Uncle. Sometimes God says, Hey, big boy. Okay, big girl. It's time to, it's time to take off your, your baby, your baby clothes and put on your big boy clothes. It's time to stop being a boy and start being a man. It's time to stop being a girl and being a woman of God. Because sometimes we pursue something so much, God says, okay, big boy, you want it? You got it. And then we struggle and we realize, like the prodigal, that we had it better when we were living for the Lord. We were living without Him. The second thing that we see is that our Heavenly Father is filled with compassion. Our Heavenly Father is filled with love and compassion. Verses 20 through 24, it says, So he returned home to his father. Just that one verse there is amazing. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. What does that tell you and me? It shows you that the father never lost sight of his lost son and he was always searching for him. I can see him every morning getting up, getting his coffee, going out to the porch, sitting in his rocker and just looking across this huge field wondering, I wonder if today is the day my boy's coming home. Maybe today is the day. And I'm sure the father is praying God wherever he is. Watch over him. Little did he know that God had put him into front of a bunch of pig slop to wake him up. And then, here's the beautiful part. Here's where the compassion and the mercy comes in. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, 
Filled with what, folks? It's in your scripture. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. His son didn't run to his father. The father ran to him. <coughs> so many people say, I, I, I can't, I gotta clean up before I go to church. I gotta, I gotta get some things right before I go to church. No, you don't. God will run to you because he is filled with love and compassion. And there is nothing that you have done or will do that will cause him to not run towards you. Because he is filled with love and compassion. You see, the prodigal, he traded his misery for mercy. The prodigal traded his misery for mercy. God ran to us. The Father ran to the Son to restore him and to protect him. And what does it say as we keep on reading? He says, And his son said to him in verse 21, Father, I have sinned both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. You know he probably rehearsed that in his head over and over and over again. And we see that the father ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned. In verse 22, But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And check this out. Kill the calf we have been fattening. This shows that the father was prepared for his son to come back. This was the calf that they had been preparing for a feast. And we must celebrate with a feast. And he must have been southern because they had a barbecue when he got home. He says, verse 24, For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Imagine what your life would look like if you sought restoration of your relationships rather than revenge or regret. Just imagine if you sought restoration instead of Facebook drama. What if you sought restoration rather than to be able to have your self-justified feelings of being better than somebody else? What if you chose to come to your senses like the prodigal did and say, you know what, I am going to run back to the Father because I would rather be wrong in the eyes, Lords, and to be, to be wrong in the world's eyes than to be right with the Lord. I want to be right with the Lord. No matter what God, confessing your selfish mistakes, when you repent and return to Him, you will experience His love and compassion. And then the third thing we see is our Heavenly Father seeks a relationship with us, not a religion. Our Heavenly Father seeks a relationship with us, not a religion. And I know when, when we start talking about this, some people kind of get confused, but just for the purpose of our discussion today, a relationship with God is not a religion to God. People would, would say what we're doing right now is a religious activity. A religious activity is like my grandfather that chewed his every piece of food 23 times before he would swallow it. 
A religious activity is a routine you have on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning. And for some people, the religious, religious activity is, is to put on all your spiritual stuff and come into church one day a week. It's not about what we do. It's about who we worship. And our Heavenly Father doesn't want you to have a perfect attendance pen. He doesn't want you to have all these degrees and accolades. He wants a relationship with you. Verses 35, actually 25 to 31 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. And I'm sure the brother was like, woo, yeah, my younger brother is home. Yeah, I'm so glad. Can't wait to give him a hug. That's not what happened, was it? No. You know the story. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years, I've, st- I've slaved for you, and never once did you ever do a single thing you told me to. And all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. <coughs> Yet when his son, this son of yours, doesn't even call him his brother, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Folks, we do not earn God's love by our works. We see this in the parable of the older son. He did not earn his family standing by the chores that he did. The older son in this parable represents the religious Jews that kept the Old Testament law in hopes of pleasing God. They had a religion. But what Jesus shows is that while Jesus shows through the prodigal that those who truly seek God will find him. You see, both sons were loved by the father in this passage. Both sons are loved by God, but only one was aware of it that day. The only one that knew God's love was the one who accepted it. The only one who knew God's love was the one and submitted to his will. So as we wrap up, I would just ask you this. Do you know the power of God's love? Do you truly know the power of God's love? What does this parable teach us about God's love? God is not just a bigger version of your earthly father. God is the perfect father. And he's the answer to every longing for a father's acceptance, approval, and support, and love that you've ever experienced. I'll never forget, I was listening to the radio, and Charles Stanley was speaking. And he's got a book, I would highly recommend it, called how to listen to God. It's an older book. It's not, it's been out for a long time. But in there, he's talking about how we listen to God and how we treat God. And he, he said this one time, and it, I'll never forget it. He said, a lot of times people attribute their heavenly father 
to the characteristics their earthly father had showed. So if you had a loving earthly father, people usually viewed God as a loving father. If you had an abusive father, people looked at God as abusive. If you had a father that was absent, you would see God is absent. That blew my mind. I'm like, that's so simple yet awful. And I had to learn that there were things that my dad did that God didn't do. And there are things that, that my dad didn't do that God did. It doesn't make him any less of a man. I mean, he is still my father and, I, and I, he will always be. He will be daddy to me. But the cool thing is, is that he was human. He had faults. And I got news for you, whether you want to admit or not, your daddy was human. Your daddy had faults. You are a daddy here. You got faults. I got faults. We all got faults. But God is the perfect heavenly father. And that is why we are here today. And if you had a father that worshipped God, you got the best version of your father. And if you're a father here and you don't worship God, you could improve. Not in your strength, but in his. You see, the father's love kept his prodigal son tethered in the midst of his rebellion and his older son faithful in his service. Whether you are wandering today or whether you are faithful or fearful, the power of God's love draws you unto him today. And it would just be my prayer if there's someone here that has been in the prodigal shoes, that you feel like you've been searching, you feel like you've been looking, and you want to come home, you want to run home to God. Today is the day. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. I think people are going to see men of God standing up for God in their relationship with Him. Maybe you just want to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you just want to make a decision where you're at. But today is the day that if God is calling you unto himself, it's time to turn from the pig slop and run back to him. And if you're not a perfect father, that's okay. I know one who is, and that's God. And he will give you all the tools that you need. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray, join the church, get baptized, or whatever it may be. This decision... Is a time for you to respond. There's nothing biblical about an altar call. Did you know that? There is not one time where Jesus said, you must walk an aisle and talk to a preacher. But it does say that when you have a chance to make your faith public, do so. Because if you won't stand in this room, you will never stand outside of these doors. And if you stand in this room, there will be people that will come under you and gird you and support you. And help you. Because that's what a church does. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time of invitation. And Lord, if there's one person here that wants to return to you, may today be the day. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.